Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CAF America Radio Network, a production of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. As the leader in global giving, CAF America offers more than 20 years of experience and expertise to corporations, foundations, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grant management programs and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact. This show is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. CAF America is uniquely positioned to serve as the bridge between these important partners and transforms vision into meaningful action. Guests on the CAF America Radio Network are leaders in their field who share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 914-338-0855. After the show, you can find all of our podcasts at capamerica.org. Don't forget to dial 914-338-0855. Now, welcome the host of the Cap America Radio Network, Ted Hart. And welcome here to this latest edition of the Cap America Radio Network. We are live streaming as well over at facebook.com forward slash CAF America. And my guest here today is Jesse Kraft, the Vice President of Donor Advice and Grant Services here at CAF America. I'm just going to tee this up a little bit and then uh, bring Jesse uh, in. On January 1st of this year, 2017, uh, the law of the People's Republic of China on the administration of activities of overseas NGO or non-governmental organizations in the mainland of China law uh, came into uh, effect, and many of us refer to that as China's overseas NGO management law. The law requires that foreign NGOs coordinate their efforts with the Ministry of Public Security uh, and provides the framework from, through which they can continue their activities in the country. There are two different ways uh, that this can be accomplished. Uh, one is opening an office in China. Uh, the other is applying for a temporary activity license. Uh, so, Jesse, welcome here to the CAF America Radio Network. Thank you, Ted. So, tee this up a little bit for us in terms of what's happened since January 1st. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it, this law really started quite slowly, as um, some of the listeners might have might remember from their experiences. But um, it started in January 2017, and in the beginning, not much guidance was provided on how to navigate the laws, um, and implementation was really slow to standardize. So, you know, in the beginning, a lot of charities we found weren't weren't even very well aware that the law existed, and then certainly not aware of how to comply with it. So. It's been kind of a long road since the beginning of this year, um, kind of helping guide the charities, help them, you know, lead them to resources that might help them determine what they need to do and, you know, providing some guidance um, based on what we learned from other partners that might have been more experienced. So we've been really, as, as a donor, as a foreign NGO um, working with this law, really been helping the charities navigate um, in different ways since that time happened. Um, so a lot of the, the charities were were really left without a lot of information, uh, but so were the regulators. So this has been sort of a learning <laughs> process in China and outside of China. Yeah, definitely. So you know the it's it's 
regulated fairly regionally within different provinces in China. And and so, as you mentioned, yeah, the, the regulators themselves weren't even quite sure what they needed um, to be collecting from the charities um, to ensure compliance and everything like that. But over time, you know, what we've seen in kind of our dialogues with, with our charity partners is a, is a bit of standardization. So in the beginning, the requests that they were making of us were kind of all over the place, different documents here and there. But um, you know, for in order to help them apply um, for approval to receive foreign funding. But um, now we've seen this kind of standardize, and and um, and we're we're working to help each of, each of those charities understand what that means. So this is as as you said, it's starting to kind of fall into place now. There's a general understanding of what compliance means, uh, both in China with the regulators and with many of the charities that might be funded. Uh, by uh, 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 from from outside of China, uh, and there are two different ways that um, uh, an intermediary like CAF America might be compliant. One is opening an office in China, which you do not have an option if you are actually running your own programs or, in fact, have an office in China. Is that correct? So any intermediary that is running their own programs, not funding Chinese programs, but running their own or has an office, they don't have an option, they have to register. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's been kind of a difference in, in definitions and, and things like that on, you know, what foreign activities are and um, and things like that. So I think each, in, each intermediary organization really needs to assess, um, and each donor entity really needs to assess the situation to figure out the, you know, which of these two options they should work with based on, you know, whether they're actually undertaking their own programs in China or simply making grants to other organizations. And uh, within that law, um, once you register, there are certain requirements that have to be followed uh, for all of the grants that are made. So if you are opening an office, if you're an intermediary that's doing that, you have to plan ahead to do that. Is that. Help us understand what that sort of intermediary would have to do. Yeah, so the first, you know, one of the first ways to comply with this office is to, uh, with this law, is to set up your own representative office. So that, first of all, requires that the organization partners with a, what they call a professional supervisory unit, um, which is essentially a government-affiliated organization that is approved by the government to sponsor a foreign NGO. So first of all, it requires a partnership, um, you know, finding an, a partner on the ground that has the status um, and, you know, getting their commitment to work with you um, in order to, for you to become a, a, a registered office there. Um, so, but once you do go through that process and find a partner and, and register and everything like that, basically the requirement that you have is um, before December 31st of each year, you would need to submit an annual activity plan to that professional, professional supervisory unit for approval. Um, and, you know, that's the partner that you're working with. And then from there, you have to, they, they would then submit it to, um, to the registration, you know, relevant authorities for, for approval and, you know, for, for documentation. So essentially, you would need to know a year, and you know, before that year begins, all of the activities that you were going to undertake during that year, um, in order to, in, in order to have actually apply those activities. Right, and then once you once you have that approval, um, you then can institute those grants, but but it, they have to be in your plan. 
so the second way to, to, uh, to be compliant uh, for those that are not required to open an office uh, or to be registered as an office are charities that are funding uh, Chinese activities. So they're not funding their own programs, they're not on the ground, they don't have an office, but they are funding Chinese activities run by Chinese NGOs. And that's known as applying for a temporary activity license. So help us understand what is a temporary activity license, as it sounds, it's temporary. Uh, so how temporary? Yeah, so what we've uh, basically learned is that it, you know, it's it's per project, so it's for one activity. So, if we are um, working with one grantee for you know on several different you know different projects, it's likely that we'd have to apply for several different temporary activity licenses for those programs. So, um, like you said, yeah, it is it is temporary, and however, it's something that you can apply for at the time you know that that activity is about to occur. So it doesn't have the requirement that it that you apply for it a year in advance. However, um, it does take some time to, to apply for this license, so you do need to make sure there is some lead time, but just you don't need quite as much as you would need for the annual activities um, requirement for if you actually had an office there. Right. So for intermediaries like CAF America that will be obtaining uh, temporary activity licenses, that's really suited for uh, funders that can't plan a year in advance, don't know what they're going to be funding or giving to, maybe a little bit more episodic, or just are making decisions over the course of the year. Yeah, exactly. So as you kind of alluded, CAF America has decided to um, at least, you know, well, has decided to work with the temporary activity license um, because of the fact that the registering an office and having to submit annual activity plans is actually quite prohibitive for us in the way that we operate. Um, you know, as, as you know, we're a donor-driven organization, and so oftentimes our donors come to us at the time they want the money transferred um, and, and tell us, you know, what they want to do and, and make a, a, a donor-advised gift um, for that purpose. So it's pretty rare that, that many of our donors would know, know that they need to submit um, something that far in advance or would even know that far in advance what they wanted to do. So we've decided that the temporary activity license is just a much more flexible way for us to go, and it allows us to partner directly with those um, with those Chi our Chinese grantees on the ground to apply for those licenses. Okay. So the title of this show is "Granting to China Made in Quotes Easy." This is not <laughs> easy. This is this is quite complex. But let's share with our listeners today what does it mean to have a temporary activity license. And, and how does that fit into the normal international grant-making process? Sure, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, th definitely the quotes around the easy part <laughs> is, are really necessary. It is not easy. Um, you're, you're definitely right about that. But, um, again, it, it is much more flexible. So, um, But having this license, um, so basically to, in order to apply for a license, you have to partner with a local, what they call a Chinese partner unit, um, and they'll work with you to gather the relevant documentation that they need in order to submit the, the application to the government for, for the license. Um, so they'll, they'll be the ones kind of liaising with, with their, local, um, their local government office to you know, talk about what, what they need to submit and make sure that, we have, we, that they have everything they need from us in order to actually apply. 
Now, now let's make sure that, that our listeners understand where the regulation fits here because the, the compliance is actually on the charity being funded um, in terms of their getting a license to be able to take on this temporary activity and to be funded outside of China, from outside of China. Is that correct? Or, or is this license for the, the donor or the intermediary? So it's, it's actually the Chinese partner unit, so what we'd call our, our grantee, um, that uh, is applying for the license and is, you know, um, responsible for that license. So it, it is something, while, you know, we as the donor have quite a bit of work to do in order to enable them to apply for that license, it's actually the, the partner that's taking it on in China. Okay. So we So in a normal vetting process, uh, we would work with the donor, um, we would vet the charity, um, and, and that's the, 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 char the Chinese partner uh, that, that will be um, obtaining the temporary license. So then they have legal clearance to be able to accept the funds and to undertake the project. Help us understand um, how much time is involved here. And I know uh, you just came back from the Chinese embassy uh, earlier today, um, and so there's, there's a complexity related uh, here in the U.S. in terms of, of documentation that's needed. So kind of walk us through and, and try to give our listeners a bit of a sense of what's the time frame here. It's much more flexible. Um, it's sort of, you know, on the go as you're, as you're granting, which a lot of our, our donors like to, uh, uh, to, to give in that way. But help us understand now what does the process look like. Yeah, sure. And um, this is quite complex, so I'll break it down into a couple pieces. But yeah, like you said, um, of course, all of the standard vetting procedures apply, um, you know, whether you're doing equivalency determination or expenditure responsibility, and then compliance with anti-money laundering, anti-terrorism, all of that applies um, and, and still needs to be completed, and this is just another step to that process. So basically, um, and like I said, the, the list of documents will vary slightly, but Essentially, um, there are several documents that you'll need to supply to your Chinese partner, um, one of which is the, so we'll have the regist our registration document, so that's typically our Articles of Incorporation. Um, and it's not, we can't just send a copy of this. We actually have to send them an original document, um, so we have to get that from, um, we're, we're registered um, in the state of Delaware, so we have to we have to get that document from um, the Department of the State of Delaware, um, and and they send that to us. And usually that takes about 10 days. You can get it expedited, but um, and that also um, there there are costs to getting um, these original documents from each each authority. So then also mm -hmm. what they've requested are original um, 501c3 determination letters, so which we'd have to get from the IRS, so we need original copies of those. Um, and then a document that describes the source of funds, the purpose of the grant, you know, and then also talking about your other activities in China. So a lot of that is accomplished typically by a grant agreement um, and then potentially with a follow-up letter that describes you know, who our donor was, so that, that source of funds. And, and the project that's to be undertaken. And then, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so, so those, are, those are the typical documents that you'd have to start with. Um, so like I mentioned, for the, the Articles of Incorporation, you need certified copies from the state. Um, and these other documents also have to be in the original format. And, and not only do they need to be in these original formats, but you also have to get them um, certified by the Chinese embassy. And as you mentioned, I was actually just, just happened to be there this morning getting some documents certified. 
Um, but actually, before you even, so the Chinese embassy has the requirement that before they'll certify a document, it has to be notarized or it has to be, you know, that uh, that initial, the original copy from the Department of the State uh, um, of, well, the state of Delaware in our case. Um, it has to be notarized, and then we have to take it to the, um, the actual United States um, State Department, their authentication office, and they need to authenticate the document. And then we can bring it to the Chinese embassy um, for their certification. And the Chinese embassy, um, you have to go, you have to physically go there. Um, they won't, they don't take any electronic requests. And um, you have to go and drop it off. And then 10 days later, you, you can, they'll let you know that it's ready and then you have to go pick it up. So just each step of this process has a lot of time components required and, and each of these document certifications also costs money. So um, it ends right. up adding up quite a bit. <laughs> right, right. But in, in identifying this and understanding this, then uh, obviously uh, one of the things that CAF America does for its donors is, is seek to streamline this as much as possible by getting documents ahead of time, getting certifications and, and, and notarizing ahead of time. So trying to cut that, that time frame down. But of course, um, you know, how much time will it take for the Department of State Authentications Office? How much time, as you're saying, it's uh, typically going to take 10 days at the Chinese Embassy? So it's a good thing that CAF America is in uh, Washington, D.C., so that we can uh, actually get <laughs> yeah. to uh, the Embassy to be able to, to do that. So these are, these are ra rather unique uh, requirements. Uh, for granting into China, there's not another uh, government um, that uh, that we work with uh, that has this level of authentication and requirement. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. If, you know, as um, as you may know, there are certainly other laws um, in different countries around the world that that have this kind of oversight and registration process for foreign funding. Um, however, it's None of the other processes that we've been involved in have required this level of, you know, document certification and things like that. We've, of course, had to provide these documents to others um, for a variety of reasons, whether it's for their own anti-money laundering laws, like in the case of Mexico. Um, but the ha having to certify all these documents and actually mail them original copies of all of this, which means that, you know, we can't just do this once. We have to do it every time. Um, is, right. is really quite unique and um, and is um, taking taking a lot more time than we're used to it used to taking. Sure, sure, sure. We're gonna uh, Jesse. We're gonna take just a very quick break. Um, when we come back, um, I want to get into again this temporary license. What does it do? And maybe give some examples of uh, the process that uh, that we've developed here uh, to help our donors uh, give to China. And we'll be right back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at CAFAmerica.org. If you're listening today, our phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 914-338-0855. Now, back to the CAF America Radio Network and our host, Ted Hart. And we're live here with Jesse Kraft, uh, who is... Uh, the Vice President of Donor Advised and Grant Services at CAF America. Our topic uh, today is the China Overseas NGO Management Law. And Jesse, this does sound like a lot of work, um, it, but uh, uh, why did CAF America uh, decide to create uh, this process um, and how, how, do we, uh, how are we in compliance now with this new law? So help walk us through yeah. that. 
Yeah, sure. So, you know, for us, yes, it is a lot of work um, and is taking a lot of staff resources for sure. But we really, in weighing our different options here, we felt that it was very important for us to maintain our flexibility to kind of choose and shift the programs that we're funding in China during the year. Um, and actually for a temporary, I don't think I mentioned this, but for a temporary license, you can file for the license 15 days before the start of the activity. Um, you know, whereas with the office, um, if you're if you're a registered office, of course you have to file you know the, for that year in advance by December 31st. So it really does keep us flexible and more nimble. Even though we have all these steps that we have to follow, it means that we can continue to be driven by our donors and and allow them the flexibility to decide when they want to give to China and you know who their partners will be and things like that throughout the year. So, yeah, we just, we, in weighing the options, we just really felt strongly that we wanted to maintain that part of, of who we are and our ability to service our donors. And, and it also provides, as you said, the flexibility for our donors uh, to be able to give to a very wide uh, array of uh, what we would consider to be a, a vetted charity, but uh, for, under the, the China law, our Chinese partner unit. Um, so in, in doing that, um, donors can come to CAF America and they can choose charities, they can go through the vetting process, they can identify uh, projects at any time during the year and begin the, the process of uh, working with CAF America for us to receive the, or for the, the Chinese partner unit to receive the temporary license. As opposed to, as you said before, um, those that, that are required to file as an office because they're running their own programs on, on the ground as well. Um, they have to plan, have that plan done uh, 12 months in advance, but also they have to submit it before that. So it's actually, if you're giving at the end of that year, it could be, you know, 18 months in advance. Right, right. Yeah, and so, you know, something that's good for our donors to remember is that um, our eligibility will be the same for these Chinese organizations. So um, as many of you know, our, when, we, when we vet an organization, they're eligible with us typically for a period of one to three years, depending on the risk level and what we're finding in our review. Um, so if, an, if one of these partners is already eligible with us, that means you know, all we have to do in order to make a grant on you know, a new project with them is to file for this license. So you know, while we still have that vetting procedure, if it's an already eligible organization, it, it does make that process, you know, a bit quicker and easier on both the partner and on CAF America and um, mm -hmm. will allow us to get the funds there more quickly. And if the license is sufficiently broad for the project that's being funded, is it possible that uh, two donors would, might be able to give to the same charity in support of that project? Yes, it is possible. Um, we just need to make sure, um, you know, in that in that lead documentation that we're sending, um, because of course the source of funds is an important part of that application. We just need to know um, if there will be several donors giving to the same project, and then we can we can um, put them into the application as well, so that so that the same donors can use or that donors different donors could use that same activity license. Mm -hmm. And and what about the effect on the the, uh, the Chinese uh, uh, partner unit or the the charities? How has this been received uh, by them, and how are they uh, working through the compliance process? 
Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning, just like for us, there was a lot of frustration, not not with us, but with just the process in general um, and a lot of confusion, of course. Um, and now that's kind of turned into very apologetic um, and very apologetic thanks to us for, um, you know, complying with everything and with helping them get through it. And, you know, for them, it is it is um, they, they do have to go through this registration process. So there is work on their end as well. But, um, you know, they've been very, very willing to partner with us and, and very um, excited and, and grateful that we are willing to go through these extra steps that it takes in order to give, get, make sure the funding gets to them from their donors. That's been really important to them. But there's certainly frustration on their end as well. Right, right. But as we said, this is, this is a license for the charity to have permission to work with uh, the foreign funder um, and to be able to accept the, those funds and be compliant um, because there could be penalties for them uh, in accepting funds that are, are accepted outside of this law. Right, yeah. So I, I don't know what their what our partner's experience has been with other donors necessarily, but I just know that um, you know, because we're we're so willing to comply with it and just, you know, willing to give them whatever it is that they need, um, that they've, you know, been very appreciative. So um that's certainly good and it's, you know, building these building stronger relationships with them for sure. <laughs> So, Jesse, it's sort of uh, beginning to, to wrap up here. Um, so uh, the new law came into effect January 1st of uh, 2017. Um, there was a, a fair amount of, of uh, sort of uh, misunderstanding or, or not enough understanding of the regulations uh, by the regulators, by the charities, uh, by everyone involved. So a few months went by where everyone was uh, trying to figure out how will this be administered, what other requirements? There were uh, different uh, uh, provincial um, uh, decisions that have been ha that have been made. Uh, the Ministry of Public Security, uh, which oversees this, was working on this as well. But now that we're several months later, it's now become uh, has it not uh, more normalized? Um, there is an understood process. Uh, CAF America understands exactly what's required, um, and we can now work with our donors and work with our Chinese. Uh, partners to now begin to affect the funding going into China on a regular basis. Yes, definitely. It's it's become much more normalized, and the documents that they're requesting are um, much more similar across the board. So, which means that we're stocking up on all of our original documents, <laughs> requesting right. different right. Um, different copies and things like that, so that we're ready. Um, and you know. So the process has certainly become more streamlined for us as well as we've learned along the way. So, you know, we're ready to, to work with, with any of our donors that want to give into China. And um, certainly it's, um, it requires some conversation and determining what we can do. So happy to talk to any donors that, you know, want to talk about their specific instances that, the, that they want to fund in China. So, so um, looking at the, the two methods that China has provided, uh, for um, for compliance, uh, those intermediaries that are required to register as an office have a very different path in that they have to have this long view, and the donors who give have to have this long view in terms of who they want to give, how much they want to give, and for for what project. And then uh, CAF America has uh, is is under the compliance method that is much more uh, flexible, um, but uh, but also. Um, requires us to uh, really have things very well organized, 
to have our original documents ready to go. But outside of that, that's really the only thing that's materially different if we, if we think of it. The kinds of questions that the Chinese government are asking of us are the same kinds of questions that we would ask of, of charities that, that we're funding um, or from donors that we're receiving money from in terms of making sure that uh, we understand the source of the funds, the purpose of the grant, and the activities. Yeah, certainly, definitely to a certain extent. Of course, we wouldn't, we don't require all of these um, certification procedures by the embassy right, and everything right. like that. But and that's really the definitely, only thing that's, that's materially different. Right, right. But yes, we're very sympathetic um, because, of course, you know, through the through our application processes, we're we're asking for quite a bit of information and documentation. So, um, you know, and that that allows us to comply. So we really see ourselves as partners. With, with our grantees around the world because, you know, because we are willing to fit any requirements that they need in order to legally accept the funds from us, just as they're willing to submit to our requirements so that we can send the funds to them. So, um, and that's, that's really a, an important part of what we do, and, and so we're happy to, to work with these organizations to get what they need to, to accept funds from their donors. Terrific. Jesse, thank you for being my guest here today. Uh, it's not easy, but we have helped our donors understand that granting to China can be made easier than it might be if you did not understand the process in place. Thank you for joining us here on the CAF America Radio Network. You've been listening to the CAF America Radio Network. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our production schedule. Sign up for our free newsletter and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at capamerica.org. Thanks for listening to the Cap America Radio Network.